Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden makes the best acrylics and mediums, core watercolors, and Williamsburg oil paints in New Berlin, New York. An employee-owned company, Golden is dedicated to making the best paints that artists can use in their studios. I've been painting with Golden for over 23 years, and I swear by it. Check out their paints at your local art store or at goldenpaints.com. Sound & Vision is also sponsored by Fulcrum Coffee Roasters. They make amazing coffee and ship their beans to your doorstep so you can have incredible coffee at home. I'm an avid coffee drinker, and I love the coffee that I get from Fulcrum through their subscription service. There's always new coffee to try, and it's always top quality. Check out their coffee at fulcrumcoffee.com and add the code ALFREDSTUDIO to your order, and you'll get 20% off. That's a pretty great deal. Fulcrumcoffee.com Why I Make Art is out now. My book from the Sound and Vision podcast has features on 30 artists I've interviewed, tons of quotes from the artists I've had on the pod, and even some sketches from the Sound and Vision guest book. It's 25 bucks well spent in my opinion. You can get it wherever you get books or from the publisher's website, atelieredictions.com. And if you get it or already have it, please leave a review and rating where you got it. It's been an amazing response from the book and I hope it gives you inspiration in the studio or in your daily life. Allie Miller is a New York City-based artist from Long Island, working in painting, drawing, and sculpture. Allie constructs fantastical, non-linear narratives, addressing themes of expectation using extreme and surreal scenarios. Allie received her MFA from the Maryland Institute College of Art, Hofberger School of Painting in 2012, and her BFA from Alfred University in 2008. She's attended residencies at the Atlantic Center for the Arts, the Golden Foundation, the Vermont Studio Center, the Chautauqua Institution, and others. In 2012, Allie received the Best in Show Prize at the Bethesda Painting Awards. Her work has been exhibited both nationally and internationally, and her work can be found in both public and private collections. She's currently represented by High Noon Gallery, where she has a show up now. I spoke with Allie about teaching, keeping fit, beauty and painting, and much more. Here's our conversation. Where are you now? I am in my apartment um, in Manhattan. Oh, you live in Manhattan. Yes. (laughs) I teach in Manhattan too, so that's also why I live here. So you're full on Manhattan. Oh, yeah. Is your studio there too? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, it's it's in my living room. (laughs) I feel like that's a rarity these days. The 100% Manhattan life. I know it really is. Um, I it, it is quite convenient. Um, so while sometimes I feel a little left out of the Brooklyn life, um, nah, nothing <laughs> going on over here. <laughs> no, it's it's awesome over there. Um, so when they do open studios and stuff, I like to try to go. Um, and you know, post COVID, I'm trying to reintegrate myself back into the art world. So yeah, right. I should get I should get down there more. <laughs> it's funny that I mean, there were days when people just wouldn't come over the bridge to see a studio or like they were like oh i gotta go to brooklyn you know 
it was like a real chore. You always felt self-conscious about asking someone from like the quote unquote art world to come over to your studio because it was across the river. Oh, that's so interesting. I didn't realize that. As if it's, you know, so far. So, so far. <laughs> but you, uh, did you grow up in Long Island? I did. So, so you're so like a New Yorker, New Yorker. Yeah. Uh, but like a Long Islander who wants to be a New Yorker. So I'm, I mean, I'm from like far, like an hour and a half from the city. So a uh, very suburban life. So I, I love being in the city. Um, and uh, yeah, but you will hear the accent come out at some point. I'm, I'll oh, try yeah. to keep, keep it under control. <laughs> um, were you, was it South, Central or North? North. I'm from the North middle of Long Island, a little town okay. called Kings, Kings Park. See, I don't know the North that much. I know the South a little bit more. Oh, okay. But I haven't spent much time in the North. I did that uh, I slip residency. And, oh, I didn't uh, know they had one. They That's so did. Interesting. They used to. I was. I think I. I think I must have jinxed it because I was. I closed it out. <laughs> I was in the last year that they did it, but it was at the Carriage House next to the art museum there, and it was nice. Oh. It was like a huge studio. And um, yeah, I don't think it was that well known or anything, but there were just three artists every summer that would have three studios in it, but it was huge and it was nice. I never really did Long Island before that at all. <laughs> I just, it's funny because like I, I complain about it, but like it is home and I love going back. I, I just can't live there. There's not a, there's, there's some art there, but there's, there's not enough. <laughs> Yeah, but you're so close. I mean, you know. Yeah, I would say like I mean, I'm a if I was living in Nassau, that would be easier, but I'm a I'm a Suffolk girl. <laughs> That's far out. <laughs> I know, but it's funny because I feel like the same thing with New York with like Manhattan to Brooklyn. I feel like even Long Island, it's so close relative to, you know, like I grew up in Pittsburgh and going to New okay. York felt really far, you know. Yeah. That's true. So you can hop on the train and you're there. That's true. And I, I do live pretty close to Penn Station, so it's good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, did you, so your parents were, were they lifer New Yorkers? Yeah. My mom's from Great Neck on Long Island, and my dad was from Queens. Um, and then they moved further out east uh, when they got married. Yeah. They yeah. escaped. The, the slow or gradual escape from the city. Or yeah. was it sudden? I, I think that they moved, um, I, don't, I don't know. I think my mom thought Great Neck was a little snobby, so she wanted oh, to move yeah. out, um, out east. Um, and uh, I guess my dad just followed. <laughs> Are they, uh, what did they do? Are they creative at all? So I come from a family of teachers. Um, so my, my mom is a retired special ed teacher. Um, but I would say she's very creative um, in terms of writing and being a really inventive teacher. Um, and my dad was also a special ed teacher. Um, and then, um, but he passed away when I was seven and my mom got remarried to Norm, who's amazing. And Norman is a psychologist. Um, and so I think I definitely have that upbringing of being raised by educators and um a psychologist because my work yeah. is all about psychology I was and gonna say, it's like i'm brain. also an art teacher so yeah yeah it's like a lot of brain stuff going on there yeah and now i'm dating a psychiatrist so there you go Jeez. and you triple <laughs> down <laughs> a lot of 
Um, yeah, I can imagine that's a, there's a, there's probably not a lot of, <laughs> I imagine some serious conversations, some, you know, some very heady, um, thoughts about things. Yeah. Lots, lots of overanalyzing, but, uh, also very goofy conversations as well. <laughs> yeah. Was that exhausting growing up? I would imagine, um, there was some, some things got deep. <laughs> if, I mean, I was the one to make everything deep. I'm the one who overanalyzes and is critical of everything. So it was me probably going to them to, for help and to, yeah. <laughs> trying to vent and get somebody, some kind of relief from my own mind. Being um, a, being a special ed teacher. I mean, that is very, I mean, that's admirable stuff. For sure. And I think even the younger ages is underappreciated because I've taught all ages and um, the older ages are where are my happy place. Um, oh yeah. That's your comfort zone. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think that the people who teach younger, younger grades should get paid more. <laughs> it's funny. I feel the same way about coaching kids too. It's like mm -hmm. when they get into like the middle school, high school, especially the high school age, it's a lot easier, you know, mm -hmm. but like when they're really little and it's almost, it's so hard to contain that energy. <laughs> yeah. One individually, they're great as a group. Oy vey. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's that it takes the life out of you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so their teachers, they were teachers and you're carrying on that tradition. I mean, have you always taught? Is that something you've always wanted to do? Yeah, I, I actually, <laughs> if any of my friends from elementary school end up listening to this, um, I started teaching art lessons in third grade at indoor recess on rainy days. Um, and I would, I had quite the following. I would like corral everybody and convince them to join my art table in the back. And I would teach them how to draw a rose. And looking back on those drawings, they look like cabbages or grains, but um, everybody wanted to learn how to draw a rose from me. And so I already knew I was an artist, but <laughs> that's because my aunt Gail went bananas over the cat I drew when I was seven was like, Allison's cat looks like a cat. <laughs> so I was like, I must be decent at this. And I liked, uh, I liked that positive response. So I kept doing it. So, you know, so that was at age seven, I was like, I am an artist. And then by age nine, I was like, I am a teacher too. So I kind of knew where I was going from an early age. Yeah, that that's great. I mean, it's that, was it kind of, cause that happens so often where it's like that one moment where you feel empowered by you know, someone recognizing that you're talented at doing that. And you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. I can do this now. You know what I mean? 100%. I've had a couple of moments like that in my life where I was like, I guess I'll go a little further with this art stuff. And because this person said it was good. Um, so God, yeah, I'm jealous. I, totally I, never, agree. I, never <laughs> I never got that. Really? Although I never, but the thing is, is I didn't really find art until college or not. I mean, I always drew and it was something that I liked to do as a hobby as a kid, you know, like I would paint and stuff, but it, I didn't think of it as far as like, you know, something to do, do, but, um, oh, it wasn't until college when I got bit by the, you know, the, the serious making art bug. So it wasn't really at that point, it was kind of like a decision, you know, but a lot of times kids, when they're younger, you know, if they're really creative and then they have that one show at school or something or an art teacher who like hangs up their work and says, like, oh, look, you know, and then it's like, oh, okay, I'm good at this. I can do it. It's kind of nice. Yeah, it is nice. I think that like, um, I, th I, because I was, my parents were practical and I was practical. They were 
definitely like, you know, warning me of like the life of an artist is going to be hard. So you got to definitely major right. minor in education. Um, <laughs> that was the responsibility factor that was or, the, no, or, right. or the safety net of like, you want to eat, you want to be right. able to like pay the rent or whatever. And so I didn't think, I didn't ever expect to be like a professional artist, if that's what I can even call myself at this point. But um, I do do it professionally. It just professional artist sounds funny. Um, and then I think it wasn't until college when, and maybe I, I don't know, it might have been even just like winning like the senior painter award or something yeah. in undergrad. I was like, they believe in me. Maybe I can be an artist and like. Right, right maybe that like teach on the side and do full-time art, you know? So I've dabbled in different periods of my life, working on art full-time, teaching part-time, but right now I'm teaching full-time and um, painting in any moment of spare time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so let's go back to, you know, growing up, like what is the, just in that, in the dynamic of the household, what was the music that was being played? I can, I would gather you know i'm imagining like classical music or something like heady or intellectual <laughs> no was it like steely dan <laughs> oh my god um you could see where i would go there right you know i guess but i don't know if you look at my paintings i would say it's like if my paintings were music it would be like pop alternative pop <laughs> right um like tame impala or something <laughs> I wish I could say I knew who that was. I'm a little limited on who I know. <laughs> oh, all good. All good. I'll share. I'll share with you afterwards. Oh, I just have this, I have this affliction of like, when I see art, I think of music that can go with it. Like, that's great. So I would love to know. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Um, but in terms of what I grew up with, my, my mom really likes oldies. Um, <laughs> sure. So she would only play like music from like the fifties, like doo-wop kind of music so i really only knew that and like broadway musicals and disney and then like by second grade i learned ace of bass and that was like revolutionary oh yeah, um, there you go and you still is i saw the sign i thought it was the sun <laughs> oh <laughs> really i can't hear lyrics i don't hear lyrics it's everybody makes fun of me when i sing because I, I sing the wrong thing <laughs> um yeah but just lots, adjacent lots of words adjacent lyrics <laughs> just like vowels like ah. <laughs> <laughs> funny so so you got bit by the pop bug oh yeah um and I, I think they're like in art camp and stuff there was some shame to it um I think people oh, didn't take it I had to hide I, didn't, I mean I didn't because I'm like I'm also like a thespian I'm like I'm very dramatic and love theater and was definitely like a musical theater kid but was definitely more well known Nobody told me to not go into the art. Nobody told me to say, like, go follow your music dream here. Um, <laughs> but I, I do love it. And I, I love hanging out with very, you know, obnoxious people who perform and whatever. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, I lost my train of thought. But well, just um, the, like, music, the music, yeah. In, in that part of your life, you know. 100%. I, I love that. And I think that. That love of theater and um, drama drama comes into my art. Like my paintings are very theatrical. I was I was wondering if that you know it's funny. Uh, I mean, but were you like that? You were very outward, or were you you just liked being around those people? You think I I am an extrovert for sure. Um, I've I've calmed down a lot. I think because. <laughs> 
Um, I it was rogue at one point. You I was a little out of control. I love, I, I'm a ham. I love, I love, I was a little bit of a class clown. Um, and now as a teacher, I'm like, oh my God, when, when I see people like me, I'm like, shut up already. Um, oh yeah. You're like, oh boy, tone it down. Yeah. <laughs> tone it down. Uh, so I am, it's karma. Um, and I, I've worked hard to, I want to be me, but I also, and I care, I don't want to care what people think of me. This has like been a battle my whole life, but I also don't want to turn people off at the same time. So you right. need to be mindful. And this is conversations I have with my high school students all the time. Like it's good not to care what everybody else thinks, but you also like don't want to be a butthead and like totally obnoxious. Or a sociopath. You just don't want to walk around just like doing whatever you want, not caring exactly. about anything. There's a fine line between, you know, uh, believing yourself and being true to yourself and also not being obnoxious or just only caring about being selfish, like egocentric. Yeah. So I think I've come a long way in that regard. I'm not saying that, <laughs> I'm not saying that you're that way at all. I was just thinking of other people that maybe, <laughs> maybe they'd be... You know, they walk to the beat of their own drum, but they played that drum really loud over all of your music, you know? <laughs> that yeah, kind of. totally. And then, like, the uh, while I might be like that, sorry, the sirens are really loud. I don't know if you can hear Hey, me. it's New York. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I also have learned a lot that I like a lot of alone time. While I definitely am an extrovert, I do need, like, that painting time yeah. um, and... And like this de decompression time, which I didn't really ever think of myself, but especially as I get older, um, I, I need that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I apologize if you mentioned it because I have a memory of a goldfish sometimes. But did you have, do you have siblings? Mm -hmm. um, I have a sister, Annie, and she teaches first grade. So another teacher in the fam. Oh, my goodness. We're, <laughs> this is a pedantic household. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And then I have two stepbrothers because Norm had two sons. Got it. Has. Um, and one of them is a speech pathologist in a school in Brooklyn. Um, and so another educator. And the other one went rogue. He works in tech. Uh, he, he, made, he made the smart choice. <laughs> He's in California. <laughs> that's cool. So um, that's a, so you weren't, you weren't the only, because sometimes I feel like only children, you know, they either want the spotlight or really out there and be like me, me. And then others become very hermetic. It's like mm. all or nothing. I, I mean, that's a total stereotype and probably based on <laughs> no actual research. But <laughs> you had a lot going on. Did you have to vie for some attention? No, I think we all played off of each other really well. Um, I have a very funny family or lots of inappropriate jokes. Um, my sister is on the much quieter than me. Um, but um you know, when, when you're least expecting it, she'll, she'll say something pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing I noticed just on, from your online information is that you do seem like someone who's in tune with physicality and did you play sports or were you active and doing things to dance or anything like that? <laughs> sports? No dance. Absolutely. Um, but not like real dance. Like, um, I don't know if you saw on my Instagram, I have this very goofy, um, body fluid account um which is a gross name um <laughs> <laughs> it's wow. my um gross, my it can be interpreted however you want it's about it's a dance aerobics zoom class that i teach um to anybody who's a 
Well, anybody. <laughs> Anyone who's game to join that Zoom? Anybody. We've got children. We've got elderly. My mom is just so happy to like just watch it from the couch, which is super weird, but I love it. <laughs> um, so we'll have like, like my coworkers. I'll have friend artist friends come. Um, and it's like I hate exercising without other people. So it was really great during quarantine when I started this. Um, I always wanted to be a, a dance aerobics instructor. But like didn't want the pressure to like like if i'm like not feeling well in the middle of class like can i like just stop the class if people paid for that class then i wouldn't be able to just quit but if i'm just doing it for fun with my friends like guys I don't, i'm done <laughs> so <laughs> not that i do that too often but uh yeah so if they're free classes anybody can join <laughs> God, the uh the parallels from a robots instructor and like jazz thinking of like jazzercise or something in abba i mean that is like Oh, like that Abba. kind of like, or Ace of Base, or, you know, any of that kind of, I don't know, it brings up a certain uh, nostalgia. <laughs> For sure. I'm, I'm very much stuck in 90s pop zone, uh, even with the choreography that I choose to use. <laughs> it's a good place to be. 90s were pretty great. I um, think so. Yeah. So, yeah, I admit to noticing the account and seeing that you were... <laughs> active but i didn't do a deep dive so i didn't know how serious or but i mean you do have a whole account based on it so i figured it was yeah but it also hasn't been updated in several months because which means i also haven't moved i haven't done uh -oh. classes i got you know i got covid i had a sinus oh, thing yeah i mean i've just been i am so out of shape but this is a the, i'm declaring now on air that um <laughs> i am what? going to get back in shape and everyone's going to join me so that i will do it <laughs> it's on tape so you it's on tape you gotta you gotta hold to with it yep <laughs> um it. so well going back to you know say like high school time i mean you know you had that moment of of a sort of green light with making art i mean did you from there on out it was basically like art creativity and teaching and then you just pursued it um by senior year i actually and i probably for most of high school from like ninth grade to 11th grade, if you asked me what I wanted to be, I would have said fashion designer. I love nice. designing clothing. And uh, I then in 11th grade took a sewing class and I hated it. <laughs> I hated, I, I'm not very crafty and uh, math is not my friend, uh, pattern making and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I, didn't I was like I think that they're gonna force me to sew if I major in fashion I don't want to do this plus my mom said if you can't handle the girls in the cafeteria I don't know how you're gonna handle the girls in the fashion world uh, so that's um. probably actually that's probably <laughs> very as as someone who's married to a woman who works in fashion ah! <laughs> that is probably pretty sage advice no shade towards them but uh yeah i think well you it's know, it's some it's a you it's know, a real thing it's a complicated world <laughs> yeah um so I, I think i made the right choice um and and so what happened was actually with a lot of my undergraduate work any time that i not any time but a lot of times when we were given assignments i would try to incorporate some kind of fashion illustration into it yeah. so I ended up doing a lot of these very like surrealist ball gowns, like huge paintings of them. Um, and this was before I even knew who Julie Heffernan was. Um, oh, wow. Julie, my old teacher. Really? Oh, wait. Did she at Yale? No, Penn State, undergrad. I forgot she taught Julie there. Julie was my teacher. That's so weird. Love that woman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, she's become a friend, a mentor, and she hired me a few years ago to teach at Montclair State. So it was pretty cool. Nice. Um, but yeah, I was doing these kind of surreal ball gowns. Um, in paintings, and, and then no less. In, in paintings, yeah, with wow. oils. And so I thought, and then like, and actually then right after I graduated, somebody showed me her work and I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is, I was like blown away and then like defeated. I was like, this is everything I was trying for. Um, uh, and now it's so already been too. done. She, it's like, already been done. It. She ruins it. She's one of those ruiners, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it was like bizarre that I like, you know, then she became a part of my life. Full uh, circle. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's meant it's to interesting. be. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also had to think about like, how do I separate myself from her? Like, I can't, I don't know if I'll ever get to her level as is. So I, you know, I have to kind of cultivate and develop my own thing too. So was, was your work pretty academic then? It was a kind of like straightforward representation because she's so mm-hmm. sort of technically yeah. academic and gifted at painting, you know, I mean, was your, was the similarity there just merely the iconography or was it also the, the technique and stuff or because your work now yeah. is so fluid and, and it's very or not is that mm-hmm. you know it's it's just got a, a sort of blurred edge to everything like it all feels yeah. a little hazy and ethereal and that is not julie's work at all you know what <laughs> i mean right um I, I was pretty crisp but my work was more illustrative um and rendered she's a better technician than me in my eyes um especially with with drawing um but in terms of like style you know style and just rendering um i i don't think i ever had quite as much detail as her but i've gotten close in certain paintings yeah and but i take triple the time (laughs) to make them (laughs) that she does she's like a superhuman yeah it was fun watching her like I was always too scared to go into her office, but she would leave her office door where she painted in there. Uh, I was like a studio, like cracked, you know, a few inches and it would always like sneak a peek when walking by. And it was just like <laughs> magical. You know what I mean? I know. That's what I do when I go over her house for dinner. I'm like, can I just peek into your studio, please? <laughs> Usually she says yes. Yeah. She's cool. Yeah. No, I, but you know how it is when you're a student, your teachers are so intimidating. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Although these days I have some students who just barge right in the old office studio and be like, Hey, how's it going? Huh? What's that? And I was like, I was like <laughs> when I was a student, I never had that kind of energy. You know what I mean? Where I would just be that forward. So where, like, where are you teaching? Shy. At Penn State. I'm oh, you teaching are? where I went to undergraduate school. Oh, how fun. Very cool. Yeah. And the only, to be honest, the only reason I started teaching is because when one of my old teachers went on sabbatical, I covered and mm-hmm. I really loved it. It was a year long thing and then later on when a a position opened they let me know and then I applied for it I really love teaching yeah me too I I think I need it um for the social purposes um when I was working like solitarily in my studio um I I got lonely (laughs) yeah um so I think I need the as an extrovert that interaction with people and my colleagues I love my colleagues um, but it is, it's not easy to balance both as I'm sure, you know. Yeah, definitely. No, it's really nice that you were able to find a way though, to, to make, cause obviously you're compelled to make paintings and, and make art mm-hmm. to do that, which is such usually of, unless you have like a thousand assistants, it's really solitary. It's like you in the white box, you know what I mean? Just like making work, but you're able to do that. But then, and you know, also 
be teaching and be engaged with other people. It's like, it seems like a very nice balance. Yeah, it's good. I'm also like, I think with like, I, my, who, the thing that keeps me company when I'm in the studio, besides my wonderful boyfriend is, is the television. (laughs) And I think, I don't know, I I haven't met too many other artists that will actually have a TV on a lot of us listened. I, I do podcasts as well and listen to, if I listen to music, I dance. Um, but having like a TV show on that's not amazing, um, <laughs> but I know all the characters and don't have to look at the screen yeah. too much um, is actually like kind of the perfect thing. And it will keep me there longer. I can paint for a very long time right. um, if I have some story going on in the background. Yeah, I've, I've you know, I've talked to a few people who do that, who like to have like a movie or something like background kind of going on. in the studio. I remember like post 9-11, I went on like a news, I had the news on in the studio like 24 seven. Cause it was just oh, wow. like, so, you know, so sort of psychologically damaged by that and like anxious. And it was just like binge watching. And then after a while of that, I, I, I said to myself, I can't watch any more news. It's so depressed. You know what I mean? It was so yeah. like, you know, doubling down on it that I started putting on like Yankee games in the background because baseball <laughs> is really easy. You know, you don't really have to watch it. You could just have it on and listen to it. But it was kind of like a companion in the studio in a way, which was nice. That's nice. If I understood the game, I'm, uh, if it was football, I'm sure my partner would be very happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, football demands a little more attention. And I grew up, you know, in Pittsburgh going to hockey games and I, I love watching hockey. But hockey is like you can't stop watching it. Like it's so, you know, busy. and It's very action-packed. quick. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. But that was just a phase. Then I think I went back to getting a TV or any screens out of the studio. But I do notice a lot of young students like to work in their studios, like college students with their laptop playing like The Office or something or Netflix or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm the same. <laughs> yeah. So that sure. doesn't doesn't distract you. It kind of like. Oh, it can if it's too good. Um, and then I'll be like, whoa, I just watched a whole episode and didn't paint a brushstroke. I better change this. <laughs> yeah, you're going to find sub average stuff to put Exactly. On, so it doesn't get in the way. So, yeah. well, making the transition to college, did you think, oh, I'm just going to go study art? Yeah, I, that was a given. I was definitely, I, I went to Alfred University. Um, Great named school. <laughs> you you, you but, know it? Well, I mean. Uh, my last name's Alfred. I have to know it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but I do know it because at Penn State, there's a really great ceramics program there. Okay. And Alfred also has a great ceramics program. So a lot of people who go to undergrad go to grad. Grad, go to, you know, there's a lot of crossover there. So uh, um, I haven't been there, but I do know that they do have a really great ceramics program. Yeah, so great that going into it uh, cold, I uh, was really hard because everybody in my ceramics class was really skilled already and I had never thrown before. Um, and so I was just trying it. Um, so that was a little challenging being like the worst one. <laughs> How'd it um, go? Did you, did you take a lot of it or did you just kind of oh, tap out? I was terrible. I, I mean, I always try my hardest with pretty much everything I do. Um, so I did get an A. Thank you, John Gill. Um, <laughs> but I think he knew I was like trying so hard. And mostly I, I'm better, much better at hand building than throwing. So I could cover up my uncentered pots by making them like try, I'd squish them, I'd warp them, and then I'd sculpt like all these elaborate flowers on them. So they look cool, but they were not well made. <laughs> right, right. They, they were expressive, but maybe they were, not. 
can yes. you mention? Well, can I tell you a secret? This what? is between me and you. No one's listening. Okay. <laughs> I was awful at ceramics. And again, then I took the class at Penn State. It's a great ceramics program. And I just couldn't do it. I was not good at all. Nothing came out. I wasn't technical. And then I just couldn't figure anything out. You know what I mean? <laughs> and my yes, teacher, I, I won't out her, but, but my teacher threw me under the bus too. She was just like, you're really having a hard time with this, are you? <laughs> she was not giving me the vote of confidence. I think she knew that I was doing okay in painting. So she was like, all right, that's, he's just here for a semester. Get him out of here. And then he can go back to his painting world. <laughs> but I so loved funny. it. I love the clay. I love the, mm -hmm. and I, would uh go on to to visit in japan there's this you know these areas of ceramics and tokoname is this one place outside nagoya and and i taught like a summer program we went there and we threw cups like the students were all able to like do this ceramics in this amazing village and 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 i threw a cup there and it wasn't that terrible maybe age helped me out a little bit but i really love it like i would love to be good at it yeah me too um i i love it too um but I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll it's give not, it another chance one day. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think it's easier to be not so great at painting or sculpting and still make something compelling. But I think the technical side of ceramics weighs in a little more for some reason. It's the process or something. Well, with your paintings, they are pretty technical, and you have some really sharp, crisp lines. So I, I view you as a very technical person, and people think I am too. And I'm like. Eh. I'm not a, I'm not a precise artist. I am an intricate artist. So if you look up close, nothing is precise. I have very sloppy, intricate details, but if it's nothing is like evenly patterned or anything, I don't have the patience to deal with like making something perfect. I can't wrap up present for instance, like craftsmanship is not my thing, but for yeah. you in your work, I feel like you are a craftsman very much. Smoke and mirrors. It's all, <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it. But not so much. If you get up close, you're like, oh, that's not so. And I used to, you know, when I first saw work like that, like say um, a Kenneth Nolan or a Barnett Newman or whatever, you know, one of those paintings or or Frank Stella or something. Be like, oh, wow, that's like, you know, hard edge or whatever. And then when you see them in person, you're like, oh, you could totally see their hand in that stuff. It mm. wasn't like you know, like early Murakami where it was just like completely seamless. Like there wasn't a brushstroke and it wasn't a, a rough line at all. It was more like Stella was just hand doing it, you know? And, uh, and I love that. So I try to keep that, you know, in the work. I wanted to have that touch to it. So in reproductions, they look pretty tight and flat, but then when you see him in person, you're like, yeah, he's not that great. <laughs> <laughs> I, w I I appreciate the human quality to seeing some hand in, right. in the in the handling. Human so, quality is a nice yeah expression. Yeah, so um, so the ceramics class maybe didn't work out that great, but were you finding the painting classes to be compelling at Alfred? Oh yeah, they were great. Um, it was super fun. Um, they they kind of let us do our own thing. Um, we really they didn't have like a specific like style or anything that they were right. Im imposing on us it was very exploratory <laughs> what were you making like what was your stuff like when you started to hit the groove of like you know exploring your stuff as opposed to you know still lives or whatever well i was making the you know trying to find a way to put a dress into anything for a while ah going back to the dress going back to the dress but then um we did have a really cool assignment in junior year in painting where 
my professor Stephanie McMahon said, bring in um, like, I don't know how much, like probably making half of the story up by now, but like 30 pieces of collage material in and you're not going to know what you're going to have to do with them so that you have a real random spread of things. You could have garbage, magazine cutouts, newspaper, whatever. And then she said, now make a collage with them and then paint that collage. Right. Um, and so I was looking at what I had in front of me and I had like an advertisement of an ocean kind of fading into a sky and there was like a raft in it. And so I was like, maybe this is just going to be my backdrop for the whole collage. And then I just stacked all the other collage imagery on top of this raft that was in the advertisement. And so I think that like blurred edge between like the water fading into the sky was something, this, this beautiful gradient that I really loved. And it was this very soft, fuzzy background within this like mass, this like, um, like cluster of like intricacy floating on top and it turned and so as i was making it this i was like this start this is starting to look like a secret hideout this is super cool and so then i went and then it was probably my most successful painting of college and so then by senior year of undergrad my whole senior thesis show was a series of secret hideouts um, based on that one painting and um and some of the dresses even became secret hideouts that I was making. So some of them were dresses, some of them weren't. Um, but they were very kind of like vast landscapes, like Dolly, and then like weird things stacked on each other, like these towers growing out and like strange characters. I even went through like a nipple phase and like I decorated everything with nipples. And then like my family is like, are you still doing the nipple thing? I'm like, no, that was just a thing in senior year. <laughs> it's been like 15, 20 years. <laughs> Since that. Were, they, were they ready for you to move on? From I the think nipple so. Thing, or? <laughs> my mom is like the most overly proud, like Jewish mom of my work, but if I had too many nipples or whatever. She threw it in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> have you moved on from the nipple thing? Have we, have we moved past that? <laughs> Very good. You got it. You know it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so well, that's pretty cool that like one assignment could like trip, the, flip the switch of like totally. a whole new thing. That's a good assignment when, when you can, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's sometimes you have to get people, you know, as a teacher, like you have to get people out of their comfort zone or just to, to think about something differently or to take a totally different approach. And it can like open up a whole new wing of ideas, which is pretty great. Yeah. I, and it's funny. Cause I tell my students, I'm like, you don't know which is going to be the assignment that's going to take you on a whole new trajectory. It's like, you just don't know, but be right. open. Throwing a cup in ceramics. And change your world <laughs> or make you retire um so so after you got out of school what was the plan uh well it was i feel like alfred was like the best four years of my life i, I had such a wonderful group of friends many of them who i'm still friends with yeah. and i was really depressed to have to go back to long island and live with my parents even though they are like my best friends um but I, you know, I did some student teaching there and, you know, got certified to teach art K through 12 um, and did some substitute teaching, which was awful. Uh, it's like the worst job I think you could have. Um, but then I did get like, seems yeah. so tough. I mean, as just remembering way back in high school when you had substitute teachers, mm -hmm. I mean, it was never it's that's always tough. Yeah, and like subbing in my own school and like painting back in my high school bedroom. Oh, it was terrible. But um, then I got like a leave replacement for a year and that was good. And I worked with elementary, I worked in high school a little bit. Um, 
And so that was like the first time I was like, wow, I have health benefits and a salary. This is cool. Um, and then I went to graduate school um, two years after two years of being home. I went to graduate school in 2010 to MICA. And um, I was I really wanted to be a professor. Like by the end of Alfred, I was like, this seems like where it's at. Um, and, it, and it was a dream. And I and I and TAing was super fun at MICA. And then I was a painting and drawing professor for seven years after grad school. Um, and I, I loved it. I was adjuncting at many places, which, as you know, I'm sure can be insanity. Yeah. Um, and then I had a, a full time gig at Purchase College for a, uh, it was a one year contract. And so that was amazing. But it wasn't easy to get a full time painting gig after that. And so I I wasn't after teaching full time and having benefits and like a real adult salary, I wasn't willing to go back and adjunct for a year. So I made the switch to work in um, with high school students. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of, I think it happens here and there, but for people who are, you know, pursuing and, and, you know, making art and doing that and showing, and then it's, it's slightly unconventional to be teaching in high school or grade school. I think a lot mm -hmm. often because, you know, people who get a master's, they just, they're only really qualified to teach at the college level because you have to be certified right. to teach like younger kids. So that's I mean, true, but in a private school, you know, I I do happen to be certified to teach K through twelve in New York State. But yeah. at a private school, if you just have a master's degree, oh, all bets are off. Yeah, you all can right, go. I'll be back. I'm gonna go. <laughs> Give me like ten minutes. No, um, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, so, they serve great food. This food is really good. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but I would imagine it's it's great teaching it that, although it does separate a little bit from because you know in teaching grad students or like undergrads who are in like a bfa program or mfa program they're they're on that track i mean a lot of them might not pursue it but you know they're focused in right. that but like working with high school kids you're you're working with you know it's just kids who may not have any interest at all in art and you gotta try to get them to buy in a little bit is that a? I can't imagine what's that, that? is very yeah. accurate yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, you know, having a student, there are plenty of students who really do, you know, intrinsically love it and they are magical to work with. And then, you know, you hope that they help inspire the other students to be like, ah, oh, you, you could do this too if you, if you focus and just keep trying. <laughs> right. And for the students who aren't necessarily terribly interested in art and it's just a period of study where they're like okay whatever you just hope that you can introduce creativity to them in a way that exactly. you know that they can find some value in it and they could bring it into some other aspect of their life that if they go on to be you know a baseball player like they they draw or they, you know or they appreciate the creative side or the visual side of whatever they're doing you know for sure yeah and it's like can i give them people you know interpersonal skills any kind of skills to cope with life i'll be happy <laughs> that yeah you know and they don't know you know a lot of them might not see the point in a lot of the projects that we're doing so i try to really point out when we're doing something that you know you know this is you i want you to write an explanation and a reflection having these writing skills could come in handy in whatever company you might be running right. one day yeah, you know yeah. so i try to point those things out now do they know what you're doing like outside of teaching? Yes. Um, I, I, I mean, I told them I have a show up right now. Uh, two students came. That was very sweet. That's pretty um, cool. Yeah. 
um, I work with ninth graders. Um, so, you know, they're, they're very new to the high school world. Um, and yeah, some of them, some of them take an interest and they're like, how's your work going in your practice? I was like, so thoughtful of you to ask. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Others are just like, all right, whatever. <laughs> I mean, my, my high school art teacher was great and she turned me on to, to art. She was the first person who kind of like, you know, introduced me to stuff that really, you know, I think planted the seed in the head, but she was not out there showing. <laughs> I don't know what, I, I don't think I ever saw her work or if she did work. I don't know, if she, but she was great. But yeah. it's pretty cool. It must be pretty cool to have an art teacher who's got like a show up in Manhattan. I, I hope they think so. <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. of the a lot of my colleagues uh, show their work, so it's it's cool. Yeah, that's great. Well, it's great too to have that community. Yeah, right, of colleagues yeah. too. So, yeah. um, yeah. So, how did let's talk a little bit about the work and like where it was when you got out of school and like how it's progressed to where it got to where sure. it is today. That's a good question. Um, I mean, that's covering a lot of ground, I'm sure. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, let's think back. Um, so I went into graduate school making very surreal type paintings. Um, very, All born out of that assignment, essentially. Still, that I so it was actually yeah. that idea of escape. Like I was making these secret hideouts in undergrad, and then I was like, "Well, why the heck do I want to escape? Let's examine that psychology." Yeah. Um, so let's talk about what I'm escaping from and like paint these kind of out of body experiences where I'm like looking down at myself in a situation. So I'd have like either multiples of myself appearing in like a forest and it's like me like watching myself in action um, or like a bird's eye view of me like looking down at myself like in a bed. Um, and, and so I would paint these very elaborate like you know, fully rendered scenes, but they would take a really long time. And that was always a struggle for me. Time has always been an issue. And I knew I was going to get in trouble in graduate school for it. Because um, as soon as I graduated Alfred, I got to spend and I was home and uh, making my own deadlines, I just extended and extended them because there right. is an obsessive component to my personality. Um, and so by the time I was going to MICA, I was spending four to five months on a painting or more. And so I did get in trouble, not trouble, trouble, but they were just like, you got to speed up. Like and you're, so you're doing two a year, <laughs> pretty much. They like that. <laughs> you got to speed this up a little bit. Yeah. And so this has been like a never ending battle for me. Um, but um, so, so yeah, so I, I thought to myself, what could I eliminate what part of my process can I eliminate so that like, this will just go faster? So I stopped right. planning. So I actually started making some very automatic paintings and drawings and sketches. Um, but sometimes even, and even, those were really exciting. And I felt like, and that was how I started to dabble in abstraction and like kind of excavating these brushstrokes and pulling out imagery um, was super fun and exciting, but it was very daunting because sometimes it would go nowhere and turn to mush or the composition wouldn't come together in the end because I really didn't have a plan, but I developed all these interesting techniques of like taking pictures of them midway, printing them out, and then painting on top of the photo. So then I wouldn't feel as precious and I could resolve it without screwing up the actual painting. Um, and I was so anti-digital that I would always, you know, print everything. Right. Um, and, and so that, that was interesting, but it definitely took a while. And so I'd alternate and still do, between having a plan and then take breaks and do very spontaneous paintings that 
are supposed to like go quicker, but sometimes they take just as long because I don't know when they're supposed to end. Right. That's yeah. such a, that's a really interesting uh, way to circumvent taking too long on a painting. Because <laughs> most people would be like, well, I'll just make it smaller or I'll make it less detailed or I'll make more efficiency in the way it's painted. And you're like, I'm just not going to map it out, which is really cool. <laughs> it's, although it's that could so backfire and you could just sit there and improvise forever. You'd be like, well, and, I don't know where it's going and I'm just keep going and going, going. And on many pieces, it did backfire. So <laughs> this recent body of work that's currently up, I, I did a lot more planning um, for most of them. Um, but that's the first time in years that I've like really went back to planning out my my paintings, but there's still a lot of room for for surprise and I need that. So I'm just like balancing that idea of like surprise. I feel like a lot of artists say like they wouldn't keep continuing to make art if there wasn't the element of surprise. You know, I always wonder about like photorealists, like how do they stay totally interested? Because they're um, the process is what the process. What, if they keep going into it, the process is what it's getting to the finish line. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But there's some I, people I who I mean, I love improvisation. I mean, jazz and like, you know, that's, that's my, like, I love conceptually improvising. I love it, but I, I don't work that way. Like I just, I need to have a, an idea of what it's going to be and then to do it. And it's not like everything is explicitly one-to-one. -one. There's always change and yes. what, and what might be micro changes, you know, things that are like barely changing between a sketch of something and then the painting might for someone who is more of a planner it might feel really different or that there's a big leap being made even if it's not to the common viewer you know what right. i mean but as long as the artist the person who's making it is energized by that you know what i mean i mean because if you one of my favorite painters i know i'm always talking about him is on Kawada, and you know he just painted the date over and over and over again and but <laughs> Obviously, he was compelled by the, the monastic repetition of, of what it means to be present in the moment of a day and paint that day. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I feel like if an artist keeps working and they stay in what they're doing, then they have to be into it or, or otherwise they wouldn't do it anymore. Totally. Or they're going to be miserable and they're just got to deal with that. And, and But the misery is worth it because they want to do whatever they're doing. You know what I mean? That's why I usually give people the benefit of the doubt in their work. Because mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of it, especially when I was younger and when people younger think they're like, ah, I don't buy that. That's BS. You know what I mean? But it's like, well, they're- <laughs> Why would they be spending all their time doing that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. for sure. You may not like it or may not think it's super genuine or like, you know, heartfelt or whatever, but- but obviously they're into it. They just hung a whole show of this work in a gallery. They spent a year of their life or more working on it, you know? I, I agree. And so I've like changed positions where like I was kind of like this masochistic painter, like with the show I had in 2018, I had a very, very detailed work and I was so proud of it. And um, that the show was called Insatiable. Um, but I couldn't, I, I couldn't make another painting like that again. <laughs> so I definitely loosened up and I had always loved the impressionist. So I have this kind of post-impressionist, like loosening up of my brushstrokes in this current body of work now. Um, and I am kind of in the same state of mind as you in terms of having a plan and then wait, loving those little moments where something deviates from my sketch. 
Right. Um, and it's, 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 and it's really helpful to work that way as if I'm like coming home after work and painting because working so spontaneously all the time takes so much brain power that like after a day of teaching, I don't know if I can do that. I'd be more inclined to be able to work that way in the summer. Right. Um, but I have to like kind of be able to just sit down and kind of go on autopilot and with my plan and my sketch or my, and my photo references and, and it's become a lot more fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. And that was my goal is just like to make painting like super fun again, the way it used to be as like a kid. I want, I'm like always aiming to like keep it as fun as possible because there was a period of time where, where it wasn't as fun. Yeah. I think it comes out in the work too. Like not everyone maybe is destined or need maybe the strength of the work or ideas doesn't equate to fun. It equates to mm -hmm. maybe like, you know, rigor or sometimes it's like mm -hmm. um, power or like, you know, expression. Sometimes it's like, you know, subtlety, whatever, you know, like an Agnes Martin can be really intentionally passive and beautiful and quiet, you know, and there's mm -hmm. something really effective about that. But I think you have to find your, your real, sort of call it or like what feels right to you and that can change and it you know it doesn't mean it's right or wrong or love it hate it or whatever but but kind of like listen to yourself like your inner voice which is hard because everyone wants to go look at your stuff and then <laughs> give you a different voice <laughs> or say something else you know yeah but I mean that's the uh the struggle I guess yeah I, I just like I want to I want to I like kind of revel in like every brushstroke it's like everything needs to like it's a sensual process. It needs to feel right. Like I sand my panels forever, but then I'll paint really goopy paint on it where I didn't need a super slick surface, <laughs> but like I need it to feel right. I love fussing with paint with tiny eyelash brushes. Um, and all of this kind of, while it takes more time and makes me very inefficient as the painter sometimes, I think that's also what makes my paintings mine. Right. So I, it frustrates me because I'm always trying to go faster. Um, but I am trying to just come to terms with, okay, I'm, I'm slow. I'm gaining some speed. I'm loosening up and that's helping. But overall, these moments where I do get kind of go against my goal of making a faster painting also is like something that I'm proud of in my work. So actually in the name of my, sh I really could have called my current show like my own worst enemy but that would have been a little too on the nose <laughs> but this um so instead we went with distant uh, gratification um which also is kind of just about like delaying this delaying your goals by reveling and giving in to your immediate desires of reveling in that paint but then right. things are getting put the, the finished painting is getting further and further away um, but maybe it's worth that. So, um, yeah, I've, I'm like just kind of full of oxymorons and like internal struggles in my process that like work against myself, but also make me love it. And that's, and so there's a lot of paintings of myself, like in my studio, like kind of that's the, the work is about me as a, my psychology as a painter. It's very right. meta. <laughs> I was going to say that's, I mean, isn't that really the beauty of, of the work? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, you know, it, imagine, I mean, I, I love stand-up comedy and comedians mm -hmm. and I feel like a Me lot too. of them are using comedy 
like humor to get away from or to come to terms with some things that are pretty heavy in their life mm-hmm. or like some baggage. And, you know, if they get successful and they're really good at it and they're making everyone laugh, the irony is they're, they're still living with that thing. And the thing that is compelling them to try to like run away from that or hide it or cover it or get past it is the thing that is making them successful and making their work really compelling. So if they didn't have that struggle, they probably wouldn't be funny or they wouldn't feel that desire to do it. it's, it, you know, it's kind of like, uh, it, it's, it's ironic in a way that the, the thing that's fueling you is the thing you're trying to get over. But then if you get got over it, you would never would be doing it. <laughs> it's so interesting. You know, I once, uh, I once had a psychologist who was an artist before she was a psychologist. This was like, I don't know, 15 years ago. And she was like, what if you just paint something happy? I was like, you don't understand. The art world's not going to take me seriously if I just paint happy things. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what art world you were in. But it was so interesting because she was like, I wonder if like you painting about like your issues could be like making them worse. <laughs> um, which I don't think that they were. I think there are certain topics if I were to paint about them that it would, you know, at times it's been you know, not helpful, but um, usually once I'm on a roll, I'm not totally thinking about the subject of what I'm painting. Every second I'm painting it, it's becoming a formal thing. Um, But it is an interesting thing of how can you make a happy painting? Uh, It is an interesting idea and thought. Um, And can you make it interesting and, and successful and be taken seriously if that even matters to you? And so that's actually something that kind of has become more important to me is to just, I think, postgraduate life. I'm, and and not even like working at a university at the moment where um, I feel a little less pressure to make the most heady, cerebral painting possible. And if I want to make a very lighthearted painting, I can, and then often I will find some kind of deeper meaning in it. But, um, yeah, I think I still have a little bit of a self-consciousness. Like I want, I have this beautiful photo from France, let's say, because a lot of my references are from a trip to France, two trips to France. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm like a little cautious of going there into that pretty category, like pretty in quotes. Um, and now, but I, I'm doing it anyway. And, I'm, and I've always done it, but I'm always a little nervous and getting a little less nervous even each time. Well, I mean, it, it, it's tricky because like, then what, it, what is just a pretty painting? You know what I mean? I don't know. I want to make art that makes my eyes happy and other people's eyes happy and then also make them feel something. So, you know, right, but, I, but there is a sort of danger in beauty and there is a, a pause in something that's incredibly beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It can be menacing in a way. I mean, look at like <laughs> flowers that are like, you know, that, that tra- like Venus flytraps are like things that try to like, bring something in with color or beauty and then sort of like bite back. You know, I, I think it's to define pretty as just being vapid or, or empty or devoid of, you know, some sort of like deeper meaning. Like, I mean, how beauty drives so much of what humanity is being attracted to something or, or, yes. you know, transfixed by the aesthetics of something. I mean, what, why does that necessarily have to be devoid of, of content or or heft in a way 
I know. I, I agree. And I, I feel like half of my painting process is just trying to figure out why I'm attracted to what I'm attracted to. So I'm like digesting like all of our history and capturing brushstrokes from favorite painters from every era and just like trying to figure out what is it that I love so much about it and how can I filter this into my my own thing and why am I attracted to that pattern and I'm I'm always just collecting and shopping for ideas and imagery and textures and it just makes life really fun (laughs) yeah I don't know that there's anything there's something twisted about feeling that there's a, a higher legitimacy to something that's going through like struggle or angst or depression mm-hmm. or seriousness you know what i mean because like work that's humorous can be so heavy you know what i mean and and that's really like literally joking about things. right and sometimes it's the best way to get get it across because when something is so heavy you it's so hard to talk about that sometimes just like in humor like i love watching the daily show and other things it's like yeah i can digest this the most successfully through through humor Right. Um, so I, I totally agree. Um, and I, I try about- to put some humor into my work sometimes. Um, I, I kind of make fun of myself. Um, it's a little self-deprecating, the work, um, but not in every piece, uh, just in some. I'm like overly theatrical and overly dramatic in my poses. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, you know, I was thinking a little bit about music too. It's like, you know, if you have these really meaningful, beautiful lyrics in a beautiful song, you know, that does something totally different than, you know, like a punk rock song where it's just basically like flat out angst, everything sucks right in your face, you know, it's just like pushing back, you know, but then if you have some of those darker lyrics that are encased in a beautiful melody or something, there's something really effective about that, the balance of the two, you know, and I would imagine that your work is flirting between the two of, of being about self, of like pushing things into, you know, and being really kind of like, and it's hard to describe kind of like emotional or, or like, there's a lot of like, um, you can tell there's a weight to the thought or there's attention to the way it's painted, the colors and, and the figure and what is defined and what's not defined. But then there's also a sort of beauty to it and a celebration of the paint and the image as well. It's a kind of like this duality, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. I don't think that's a necessarily a, a bad thing. And I, it's a I sliding scale. That. You know what I mean? Like it's like some alien <clears throat> closer to the left and some closer to the right. But I would imagine for you and your studio, that's the fun of, you know, starting a new canvas and like doing that next thing, you know. Definitely. Yeah. So <laughs> how long did you work on the show that's up now? Oi. Um, well, being that sometimes I only get to paint on Fridays and Saturdays. Right. You took um, some time. I took some time. Um, I would say it, it took, took about four years. Um, and I ended up, it's funny, I ended up extending the show. Uh, do, well, there were some circumstances that where the gallery like had to delay the show a little bit. Um, so it was supposed to be last spring. And then he was like, why don't we put it in the summer? I was like, well, if if we're gonna do that, I might as well just do like a lot more painting. So let's just put it in October. So the show is up now. Um, and then I actually, and I, I'm, my biggest fear since I'm a slow painter is to not have enough work to fill the gallery, but I had too much work. So um, I uh, was in good shape. So not even all the work that's in the show right now is on display, but it is available for 
So <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. And um, are you now? You know, I, I don't know if it's a sen- sensitive topic, the pace or like, you know, but are you, have you started new stuff? Are you thinking about like after you hang a show like that, that you've worked so long on? I know. I mean, is it kind of like really bookmarked and you're like, okay, next chapter or are you just keep moving? Well, I have a ton of paintings that I didn't get to in the last body of work that I um, still have ideas. I mean to like paint. idea. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I am still very excited to paint those. I have not started them yet, but they are planned out. And I kind of just have to figure, I was going to make a switch to working on linen. I've been painting on board, on birch plywood for, I don't know, since since junior year of college, since I made that first, um, like, escape. Uh, collage. The, yeah, the collage yeah, thing. Yeah. Actually, no, that one was on canvas, the one after it, because my professor said, if you keep leaning into your canvas and denting it with your hand, <laughs> You need to either switch to board or yeah. get some kind of like mole stick thing, whatever they're called. Um, and uh, mall stick, that's what it is, um, to lean on. And so I was like, well, I have a lazy wrist. I'm just going to switch to wood then. So, Wait, so, but it wasn't an option to stretch canvas over wood? It, they didn't give me that option, <laughs> but I know it's an option now. <laughs> right. Just curious. Like if you want the tooth, but you want the firmness, that's the beauty of a stretched panel. Right. And so I'm, I'm really struggling because I, to choose because I love the color of raw linen. I want to use that kind of tannish color to make things kind of pop against and mm-hmm. like kind of use that natural color. I like the weave, especially since I'm working much more gesturally now. Um, but there are so many moments where I play with the transparency of white, like in glowing throwing through where the white background almost works like a computer screen, like lit lighting the the color like so that light can penetrate through backlit there you go um and so you know i can always paint a panel to be the color of linen i don't i can't get to be the texture i can get the color of linen with an underpainting and leave certain areas white um to get that glow which is what i currently do if i need to do that but i still have this i think i'm going to do a few trials i think it'll be a little a few months of like really experimenting before i finding the right hone in yeah 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 what about linen stretched over wood panel clear gesso first mm-hmm. coat and then a tinted clear gesso with just a little bit of transparent white so you could get the trans the uh the sort of translucent glow but it's not covering the weave completely in the in the color of the hmm. linen completely I would have to know exactly. It's a great idea. And I've, I'm def- definitely interested in stretching over wood. Um, it seems like it might be double the price um, if you're paying for both oh, the panel yeah. and the linen. But Well, you're not buying a stretcher and you can use thin wood. It doesn't have to be super, That's true. super thick unless it's, it's gigantic. Yeah. I'll come um, over. We'll work on it. No, <laughs> no, please do. Please tell me what to do. Um, no, I uh, love that kind yeah. of like quandary, you know, of like figuring out surfaces and stuff. I'm always super interested in like i don't know maybe it's just getting older and kicking out or teaching and but i love the possibilities yeah, of you know i had a teacher in undergrad who used to give us the business about everything <laughs> like you'd hang a drawing and just put two pins up in it and she'd be like why did you use red pins why not clear pins and why not tape and then <laughs> pin that to, you know what i mean every single minutia like on the sides if it wasn't right to the edge it was like why did you do that why did you and it really it was in a good way, it made you really consider every 
aspect of like what you're doing, you know, and why, and it all has meaning. And we kind of sometimes default to certain things, but there are other ways that might work better, you know? That's so true. I'm trying to convince my ninth graders of presentation, um, even in their Google slideshows is a good (laughs) good challenge. (laughs) Start Um, early. (laughs) Yeah, we are, we are. Um, But yeah, I, I think, I think I have a lot of experimenting to do. And I love geeking out with, with Surface. I went to the Golden um, Arts, what is it? The Golden Foundation Residency. And that was- New Berlin. Um, in New Berlin, yeah, to yeah. really geek out on materials. And they were so wonderful there. And uh, it was amazing. Did you meet Mark? I did. Mark is, um, the whole family is like, like freakishly amazing. nice. Oh, yeah. And because I have an al, I am like a person who's falling apart and- became sensitive to um, my liquid and all the mediums that I used, like a mixed up, like a mixture of liquid with Gamsol and linseed oil was like my medium for my oils. Um, I started to kind of get poisoned from it, from inhaling it. And I would get these awful headaches and I had, and so he bought, he created a ventilation machine for me, like a hood to like suck the fumes off my palate. So when I arrived, so I asked in advance if I could just have a studio near windows, um, because I was really struggling with like, am I going to have to quit painting forever? What am I doing? I'm like addicted to this medium. I don't know how to paint without it. And so it was so sweet of him that he like created this whole contraption. I was like blown away. Um, So then I ended up buying um i couldn't it was huge so i couldn't take it home with me and he figured he'd use it for other people to have a healthy painting practice so it was good and then when i got home i i spent about two thousand dollars on my own want paint ventilation system um i mean i was a renter so i couldn't install it It was just these two big hoses that would suck the fumes off the palette yeah and it was very loud um but still I found it wasn't like perfect. I'd still get headaches at once in a while and the noise wouldn't allow me to hear my Netflix and it was just a pain in the butt. <laughs> so I finally tried the um, Graham's Walnut Alkid Medium. Mm-hmm. Um, I had tried it once before. I was like, nope, don't like it. And I made it work. And now I don't have to have a crazy you know, ventilation system because nice. I have a non-toxic oil painting practice and I wear gloves. Um, although I do get paint on my keyboard probably while I'm changing <laughs> things and then I yeah. eat for touching my care keyboard later. So who knows how safe I am, but I'm trying. <laughs> I made the, uh, the, the conversion from oil to acrylic and undergrad because I was getting massive headaches. Cause back then Whoa. people, everyone painted and used real turpentine, Oh my God, that's which was like, I probably lost a lot of brain cells. In <laughs> few years in the studios but i was getting really bad headaches so they actually gave me an office of one of the professors that was on sabbatical and it had a ventilation thing in it and then i mi- i went to acrylic and water-based and i never got the headaches after that so um, wow and it just so happens to work with my work i mean there's a lot of people can't work with acrylics but that's when i bumped into gold and found like you know yeah they're they're great yeah. So did you do the residency or you just know them? No, I know. I met Mark because I got a, a New York um, Foundation of the Arts, like it's called the Inspiration Award. And they gave Fantastic. it to an artist and they gave it to someone in the business of art, basically. And mm-hmm. Mark got it. And I was like, he spoke after me at this award ceremony. It's like, well, it's funny that he's here because I only use golden paint. And then he was like, <laughs> 
afterwards he was like super nice you know he's like oh that was great you know and uh we've been friendly ever since so and they sponsored a podcast which is pretty great oh right that's totally true <laughs> i'm yeah. just remembering that yeah I mean, this is this is a, a well deserved i mean we didn't plan this plug for golden but i mean <laughs> that's I'm so a, true I'm a huge fan of it because I feel like it's just better than any other acrylic. I know. I can't say any, I can't say enough good things about them as people and the company and the experience I had. Yeah. Wonderful. Really great people and a family business, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they treat you, their employees really well and everything. Everybody's great. Yeah. All right. Shout out to Golden. (laughs) There's. um, So, so yeah, you've you've got some new stuff that you're going to be working on, and you're teaching. You're continually teaching, which I'm sure gives you some, a lot of, uh, you know, fulfillment and energy, yeah. and and also it's it's like that kind of thing that takes away and and gives at the same time. Oh, for sure. You know, they they feed each other. They take yeah. away from each other. It's a it's a good it's a good struggle. I'm never bored. I artists will never be bored, but especially artist teachers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, last question. What are you listening to these days? What's the new thing? It can be pop. There's no, it can be anything. Oh, is music there anything wise? lately you've been into? Oh gosh. I, I mean, besides Ace of Base, Ace of Base, <laughs> just saying. I'm very, I'm very, when I get to the holiday season, I'm very specific. I've been listening. <laughs> I've been there. It's also because of school. I, I like to, play up the holidays so i have been doing the instrumental background music to harry potter john williams is is a genius i can't he is a genius yes there's so much good stuff i mean yeah (laughs) yeah that's that's good if i'm completely honest that's what i was listening to today (laughs) you know what i put on sometimes that i love is the uh the mandalorian soundtrack oh i'll have to look at that show the star wars mandalorian series no, but I know they have great music. Oh, the soundtrack is so good. It's not John Williams, but it's this young guy. I think he's Swedish, but um, it's really good, and it uh, it really sets a mood. Is that what you is that what you listen to when you paint, or no? Just, I mean, I just here and there I would listen. When yeah. I paint, I listen. I mean, it's all over the place. It I listen <laughs> to pretty much everything. Yeah, you got to switch it up. I have a, a very like diverse interest in music, so it depends on the day, you know. Well, that's good. Well, then maybe maybe you won't hate the music in my body fluid class, and you can. Come. There you go. I'm gonna hop in on that Zoom. Can I <laughs> can I Zoom bomb that thing and just pop up one day? Please, please do. <laughs> With leg warmers. You can just be like my mom and just be like, "All right, I'm just gonna sit and like watch these idiots no, jumping that's, up and down." That's not a good look for a dude who's like over forty. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's creepy. Watching <laughs> calisthenics. With popcorn, just like watching. Who's that guy? <laughs> I'll take yeah, don't, part. Don't do that. I take it back. No, no, no. I'll do some. I need the exercise. So. <laughs> okay. All right. Me too. So your show is up until isn't it the tenth? I think the twentieth, November twentieth. Okay. And I've actually decided to do an artist talk. So, um, I guess if they didn't get enough here, I'll I'll elaborate more on specific paintings there. But I'll probably end up saying some similar things. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to do the talk and, um, the gallery is making a catalog and um, we should say high noon gallery, right? High, high noon gallery. That's right. Nice little gallery on the Lower East side. And, uh, yeah, I hope people can come. And then if they can't, if they're not in New York or whatever, best way is like Instagram website or like, yeah, what's... yeah. My Instagram is Allie Miller studios and Allie is just ALI. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, 
I'm active at the moment on Instagram and I'll go back into hiding for a little bit, but I'm trying to be It ebbs and flows. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I've, I'm guilty sometimes of just posting and running. Actually, it's probably most of the time. That's just smart. Then you can focus on your life. Leave. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's too. I have I to hide my phone because otherwise I'll be like endorphin, endorphin, endorphin. People like it. I know, right? <laughs> it's best to, in small doses. For sure. Don't look at that screen time. That'll get you. <laughs> <laughs> so depressing. That, that information, that data does not exist. <laughs> well, listen, uh, I love the work and it was great to meet you. And, and I really appreciate you taking the time out to talk. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be on your podcast. I love wow. it. Um, I love the artists that you have on. So it's very cool to be talking with you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Sound of Vision is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Brian Alfred. For info, follow Sound of Vision Podcast on Instagram at Sound of Vision Podcast. For more info about my work, you can go to brianalfred.net or at Alfred Studio on Instagram. Many thanks to Ali for taking the time, Michael Lovett for the intro. Many thanks to Golden Artist Colors, Fulcrum Coffee Roasters for their sponsorship. And make sure you check out my book, Why I Make Art which is a companion to the podcast in book format. It's got a lot of cool stuff in it, lots of sketches, quotes, features on artists. A foreword by Rishikesh Hirway, who does the Song Exploder podcast and Netflix series. And there's also images of the artist's work as well. Uh, it's $25 available at Altelier Editions or Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you get books. And a big thank you to everyone who has gotten the book, given it a rating or review, and everyone who's subscribed to the podcast and supported it and told a friend it really helps out when people share through word of mouth so thank you very much got a lot of cool episodes coming up with some great artists so stay tuned